Hi, I'm Zoe. And I'm a witch. And I'm Andrew, a highway engineer. Welcome to our podcast, Graveyard Dirt, where we discuss all things witchy from both a practitioner and non-practitioner point of view. Episode one, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? (laughs) Yes. Let's rock it. All right. At the start of every episode, we'll go over a tarot card in no particular order. Uh, what Andrew's initial impression of the card is, and then I'll share my interpretation as a tarot reader. Sound good? I'm down. All right, let's see that card. All right, today we are looking at the Fool card. In a traditional Rider-Waite-Smith deck, this card depicts a youthful figure walking joyfully to the edge of a cliff. A small white dog appears to be barking at their heels, while the figure continues on seemingly unaware. Honestly, I don't know much about this card. Um, I'm looking at the picture now. It kind of reminds me of like a bard from d and I would guess that they might play a flute or like a piccolo. That dude is about to step off the cliff, though. I don't know if I trust them to lead the party, let alone be the face. So if you were to put that into an emotion, what would you describe it as? Uh, like not a care in the world. Okay. No worries. Uh, maybe aloof. Does the sun in the background mean anything? I mean, it all can mean something. Uh, probably a nice day. <laughs> bad day to fall off a cliff, a that's for sure. A bad day to fall off a cliff. Yeah. That poor dog is going to tip. <laughs> He's going over too. So to me, this car typically represents a new beginning or journey. Innocence and taking the leap. The figure is unaware of their surroundings, just having a good old time. It's almost like they can't hear the dog and they're just moving on. When this card comes up in a reading, uh, I take it as a reminder to let go of expectations, to explore all your options, and honestly, sometimes you just gotta go for it. You say taking a leap like it's his choice. That dude is going off the side. (laughs) He doesn't even know. So it's funny that you say that, because this is actually a major arcana card, um, and those, so in a tarot deck, you have your major arcana and your minor arcana, and... Your major arcana would typically be looked at as things that are kind of out of your control. That's out of his control, unless he actually pays attention. It's like a look before you leap situation, and he is not looking. And it totally can mean that. So depending on where it um, falls into a spread, it can tell you that maybe you're not paying attention to what's up ahead. And then on the opposite side, you have the go for it, like stop thinking about it. Because you're putting way too much into it. Yeah, so a bard, you'd probably have at least a decent wisdom, but it seems like this dude's passive perception is through the floor. <laughs> okay. We're just going to stick with the D&D references? That's it. Okay. That's what I got. All right. So our main topic for today, do you believe in magic? But really, do mm. you? There's that song about it. I can't sing it, or I think we'll get copyrighted. But... I was going to sing it, but I'm tone deaf, so you don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's by B.O.B., right? Don't call me out. All right. <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure it out later. You can say in the comments. Um, I would say I do believe in magic, but not like a manufactured magic. Kind of like there's magic and beauty in nature kind of thing. That makes sense? Elaborate, please. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think magic is hard to manifest. 
kind of like I don't know necessarily how much Thakog put in spells other than kind of like you're manifesting your own destiny at that point. Like you're you're putting your your wants into the world and then they might be returned. But I mean magic straight up, I'm not sure. I don't think so. So when you're saying magic straight up, what would you define that as? Are you thinking like Matilda? Like Harry Potter? Like Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> um, and then when you're thinking of like what you actually believe magic to be, what would you compare that to? So we've done spells before, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get a candle and then you put some sort of oil on it. And then whatever the the herbs or other ingredients that you think you want to be part of the spell and you put them on the outside and then you write something down on a piece of paper or something and then you light it on fire. I think that act of like self-realizing what it is you're actually wanting at that point means a lot more than like the spell ingredients. So what if I told you the spell ingredients all connect to what you're putting down on that paper? Well, I would hope so. I hope they're not just like random things that we're rolling a candle around and lighting on fire. So I mean, the concept of like you're taking all of these things and their correspondences, which I mean, that could be a whole episode on its own. And you're using all of their energy together to lift up this thing that you're seeking or driving for or trying to accomplish. Does that make sense? It does. I think that it would mean a lot more to me if it meant more to me, kind of like if I, if I understood the correspondences and I was like spiritually connected to them, I think it would mean more. Mm-hmm. But as far as I understand them to be, it's, it's just generally like some green stuff that we're putting on the outside. Fun. <laughs> but if you can understand the correspondences and like they actually mean something to you, whether it's from a spiritual perspective or like a, an impact on your life, then I think that that has more weight to it. Makes sense. Obviously. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> so you're a witch. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I am. And it's funny because, I mean, you know, I've been practicing and like openly practicing and incorporating my personal practice into my job for the past five years now and it still feels weird actually saying it out loud I don't know what (laughs) I mean yes so I guess if I was looking at it from my point of view I don't know I have a bunch of like my own religious stuff in the background uh but the way that I came to it was trying to find how the world worked if that makes sense um you mean like trying to find yourself, like what it is you believe? I know you grew up with a religious background, so did I, but I mean, as we've been married and dating before that, it really hasn't come up as something that's the top priority for us. So are you saying that you're still trying to like find yourself like with your own decisions and your own choices at that point? So I struggled with the concept of like one one entity being energy being in charge. Um, I liked the concept that there were multiple. I didn't know if I would go as far as like, quote unquote, gods. 
goddesses, I mean, my perspective has definitely evolved over these past five years. But in the very beginning, I was like, I just know that there's energy in this world and that there's, and that I'm not useless. Like my, I, hmm, like my energy participates, that's the wrong word, incorporates, nope, communes, nope, <laughs> gotta help me out here. Um, He's not gonna help you. <laughs> you're just not gonna help me. Um, my energy contributes. My energy contributes to that worldly energy. And I have the ability to manipulate it in ways that I think we ignore because we ignore these relationships and these energetic relationships in our world that allow us to be able to communicate in ways that we're just missing out on. So why can't we communicate with our ancestors or the plants or our house or the spirits within our house and how does those how do those relationships help us grow and teach us things compared to just kind of like moving on through our life being like yep this is me and that is them did that ramble make any sense not much but i'm sure someone understood it oh darn okay <laughs> well why don't we get more into the nitty gritty so witchcraft as a whole it's a pretty loaded question but for the purposes of time I figured we'll focus on some of the key points that you'd run into like online and books and shows does that make sense yeah I know all those like um Harry Potter and Sabrina the Teenage Witch and then Sabrina the Netflix series all good Uh uh-huh I'd say Sabrina, the Netflix series takes the cake though. Yes. I loved that series. And are they making more or is that done? I think they're done. I think they hit their three seasons. It got canceled. No. But we have Wednesday to look forward to in 2024. Ooh. 24. <laughs> so far. So far away. It's so sad. I've decided I think it's because they're filming it in Romania. Um, I think Harry Potter was filmed in Romania. Romania. Or it was one of Ron Weasley's brothers was a dragon tamer in Romania. I think that's it. Mm. Came up in the Goblet of Fire a couple times. References I would not have known. Yep. All right. Let's look at what Google has to say about witchcraft. Sure. Do the Google. (laughs) Witchcraft. The practice of magic especially for evil purposes. Mm, I can see that. The use of magic or supernatural powers to harm others. So, I mean, when you hear witchcraft most of the times in TV and movies, I guess now we're kind of entering this era where it's like super empowering and everybody wants to like be a witch, which is cool. But traditionally, I feel like Salem witchcraft or Salem trials, it was like a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, I guess we're just in a different time period where like things are coming back around. And I guess we're getting the 
story from someone else's point of view. But the Salem Witch Trials, that was rough. Wasn't there a girl that was killed and then they like buried her as a vampire or something like that? Yes, I believe she's in, is she in Vermont or is she in, she's up towards my house. Yeah. Um, you know who else is up near your house? Actually interred there. Good old HP. HP Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Over in Swan Point. <laughs> I guess like a good follow-up would be, is that definition some like what you expected? I'm, it kind of paints it in a dark light, but some people practice that. So it's so tough there, to say that it's categorically wrong, but. So there is such thing as baneful magic. Uh, it's not personally in my practice. Um, there's, I don't really see, oh, that's a loaded topic. That's like a whole episode on its own. <laughs> um, I mean, so it's not in my practice. And I guess technically you could say that like, I don't know. I don't want to separate it into like good versus bad because it it just, it isn't that because witchcraft is like any religion or person. It's complicated and multifaceted. You said religion. I feel like a lot of this stuff that some religions do, and this is just based off of the books that you're reading that kind of tie it all together. Like some of the Christianity Christianity type stuff almost sounds like witchcraft and like the way that they they're chanting in a circle and eating the body of Christ and drinking his blood. I mean, but when you lay it out like that, it it seems a little bit dark, but it's celebrated. So it's kind of tough if the definition of witchcraft is already painting in that dark light. I think it's. I don't know. I don't know where to go from that. And exact, but exactly like you were saying. So, um, what you're referencing is a lot of folk magic, and it is connected to religious practices, um, not just witchcraft, quote unquote, as a religion, but their own religions um, or separate religions. And I think that's what's kind of cool about it is that witchcraft has become sort of this umbrella that houses all these different rituals and parts of different religions and pieces and cultures that has created these different categories. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But I think the three main things that you're going to hear when watching TV or reading books or some random Reddit thread is going to be Wiccan, witchcraft, and paganism. Yes? I'm sure. I don't frequent those those realms, but I'm sure that's what would come up. But would you say that you've heard those? Yep. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> paganism, I guess, more related to Christmas, right? Isn't okay, yeah. that a pagan holiday or originated as? So you're going to see a lot of memes that it's going to be like, Christmas tree. Paganism, Christmas lights, paganism, presents, paganism, Santa, paganism, because like the church is so anti-witchcraft and then to be like, but you're just stealing all our stuff. So what actually is paganism? Because I don't know. So 
Pagan has also become kind of like this umbrella term, uh, but it was connected to earth-based practices. Uh, Wicca and paganism are kind of like squares and rectangles. They're the same, but they're not at all. (laughs) Mm, I don't think that's how squares and rectangles work. I think it's like all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. So which one of these is the nested definition? Like are all Wiccas pagans, but not all pagans are Wiccas or is it the other way around? So Wicca originated in nine in the fifties. Um, and in my opinion, it's very traditionalist. And so it just, I'm personally not Wiccan. Uh, so my, my knowledge is a little limited there, but I saw somebody else explain it and I liked their explanation. So they said, all Wiccans are witches, but not all witches are Wiccans. All Wiccans are pagans, but not all pagans are Wiccans. Finally, some witches are pagans, but some are not. And some pagans practice witchcraft, while others choose not to. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, so witches and pagans are kind of up in the air. Yes. Yeah, okay. That's cool. That doesn't make any sense to me, but that's cool. <laughs> so, let's tie this kind of into D&D. Okay. Like, so you've got arcane casters, and you've got divine casters. As part of the arcane casters, you have several schools of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, some, like, cast protection spells, while others are harmful spells. Obviously, you could be on either side of that. Okay. Um, But then as far as divine casters go, most of them participate in like healing and protection, but you could also be a divine caster dedicated to an evil god, and now your healing spells are harmful. And then another axis of the divine casters are you have like holy divine casters, like clerics and paladins, while you have more of a nature-related divine caster in being a druid. So they get their magic from the land. Does that tie into Wicca, witchcraft, paganism on any of those axes? So I think so. And the way that I would connect it, and I'm not great with D&D, but you have your casters, wizards, warlocks, Warlocks are a little bit different. Okay. <laughs> because they make a pact with a demon or a devil. Which, so... And that's where they get their ha- power from. So, we're just, like, setting up really great for this whole season. But, um, that is something that you could see in witchcraft. It's not going to be what you imagine it in D&D or even on TV, but it is a thing. That we'll have to go into. We'll we'll more. cover that in episode <laughs> three, four, or five. TBD. Uh, um, but so I think I was breaking it up kind of like you have your different categ- categories. And I, not every person is going to pick one singular thing. Um, but for the purposes of this example, we're going to separate it like that. You have your kitchen witches. You have your... um, Hedge witches one, right? Hedge witches, yeah. You have your folk witches. 
and let's throw in a fourth one. Um, and you have your, I don't know, your cosmic witch. And then within that, they have their practices of divination, candle magic, meditation. Is that so? I would equate those to be like your your druid, your wizard, your warlock, and then their subclass. Uh, they don't really have subclasses in that regard. It's the the class of the spell. So, like, there are divine arcane spells. Like a a wizard could have a divine spell. Like they could use divination magic. Does that make sense? Yes, but I think I don't. I'm learning. I don't know anything about D and D. And as far as clerics go, it's not like they're always like Jesus Christianity clerics. Like they could dedicate themselves to any of the gods across any of the the, the pantheons. So like. You could have a cleric that dedicates himself to the elf goddess of, um, like, farming and agriculture. Mm-hmm. And that, but would that only be a cleric thing? Because that's, like, an all-over. Uh, anyone can pick a god. It doesn't matter. D&D is pretty inclusive in that regard. <laughs> so, I mean, that's going to translate over into witchcraft. You're going to have your deity, be it a spirit, an ancestor, or a god or goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's even Christian witches, so. Yeah, but the folk magic stuff, they're... The folk magic really likes to tie into that traditionality. Right. Um, I think we're on the same page. Sure. I'd say so. Hopefully the people listening aren't completely lost. <laughs> well, they're here to learn about witchcraft and D&D. So I think we've covered both of those things. When did we become a D&D channel? When you added me. <laughs> when you put my name at the front of the podcast. Okay, you're only at the front of the podcast because your name begins with an A. That's fine. And I have to make it alphabetical order. A to Z, baby. Oh. <laughs> All right, moving on. So a big thing, at least that I use, is that I spell magic with a K. M A G I C K. Care to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I've seen it, it's M A G I C. Yes. Okay. So um, adding the K kind of differentiates it uh, and shows that I'm referencing witchcraft or the occult. Oh, so like not Harry Potter magic and stuff like that. It's identified more as like a realism magic with a K. Uh, it's separating it from like entertainment magic. So ah, it's like not a magician. Like, yes. So it's because you not... can't spell magician with a K. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just kind of showing that, like, in that moment, we're talking about magic and not like Bob pulling a rabbit out of his hat. I will say, George does like a good card trick. That she does. Um, that's our daughter. That's not real magic, though, but she thinks it is. <laughs> uh, but that K comes from Alistair Crowley. Uh, and it's just a, a way to differentiate the different types of quote-unquote magic. Let me guess. He spelled his name with a K? No, his name is spelled with a C. <laughs> he just wanted to be special then. Okay. Tell me more about this Alistair Crowley guy. 
Okay. So, and why he gets to decide how we spell magic these days. <laughs> really broadly, he's an English occultist and writer. Uh, in life, he was pretty much a nobody. Um, it wasn't until after he died that he became a pretty famous like cult figure. Hmm. He referred to himself as the Beast 666. Of course he did. Uh, his daddy was super rich and, uh, he was able to leave the university before graduating and just like travel while he wrote on his dad's dime. So did he graduate university or he didn't care enough to finish? He didn't care enough to finish. Wow. Way to go, bud. Uh, this was like the 1890s, mind you. Uh, but he was, uh, a religious skeptic and was a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Uh, later, he founded his own religion. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Thelma. And it's one of the last things he published and possibly like one of the one things he's like most noted for, along with his Book of Thoth, uh, which came out in 1944. I know neither of those things. Is, <laughs> do you want to say anything about Thelma or Thoth? So I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know a lot about Thelma. Uh, but I do know that Thoth is, uh, there are like Thoth tarot decks. I have heard of that. Okay. So. Uh, I have one downstairs. It's just not a reading type that I am super familiar with. I have trouble reading Thoth decks, but I like the one that I have downstairs. So I keep it in the collection. And how is it identified as a Thoth deck? Like, does it have a lot of, what? The devils and 666 on it? No. Because <laughs> so, that's pretty sweet. Actually, the, um. What are the words? The illustrations are kind of similar. Uh, it just has different symbolism uh, and different meanings. And I think there's a different order. So as far as the symbolism goes, you mean like, th are the cards the same? Like, do you have like an Ace of Wands and like a Two of Cups and all, For like the, the major Arcanas, but they're just identified differently based off of the symbolism so attributed to them? I only have one. Um, and I didn't realize it was a Thoth deck until probably a couple months later when I was just really struggling reading the deck. I wasn't connecting with the imagery, didn't really understand a lot of the symbolism. Like there were books that were in some of the pictures and there were just things that were standing out that I was like, that means something. I just don't know what. And then somebody mentioned to me and I did some more research and I was like, oh, it's a Thoth deck. And then I was like, well, it makes sense why... I'm not understanding any of it. <laughs> makes sense why I don't think it makes sense. <laughs> but um, Alistair Crowley, he died poor. Of course he did. Uh, so daddy's, daddy's dime ran out. Uh, and he died really holding on to this idea that he was a prophet for the new age. <laughs> he sounds kind of culty. Oh, very. <laughs> or is um, this like occulty? Occulty. I don't know. You tell me. Yes. Uh, like most people, his work really like didn't become notable until much later. Yep. Uh, it was the 60s. The Beatles used his image as the cover of their Sgt. Pepper album, and it sparked interest in Crowley and his work. Hmm. So thank you, Beatles. <laughs> so Wicca originated in the 50s. This guy came to prominence in the 60s. Mm -hmm. So did Wiccan's practice his uh, literature or is that completely separate completely separate so this would be like another category like another 
And is that why the Thoth deck might not necessarily be so widely used? Because it's more of a recent acquisition? What, 60s was 60 years ago? As opposed to so Wicca? are used pretty regularly. There's some people, some readers that use them. It's just a different reading style. There's also like Marcial tarot decks. It just depends on as a reader, like what type you choose to use. Also, Rider-Waite-Smith is super popular, and that tends to be, like, what publishing companies put out is, like, interpretations of Rider-Waite-Smith. That's what I've heard of. Those are the most common ones I've heard of, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the one that we looked at earlier, The Fool, that was from a Rider-Waite-Smith yes, deck, so right? Yes, so I pulled out the original Rider-Waite-Smith. The OG. The OG. This is not an interpretation. Good old... That bard, yes. <laughs> about to walk right off the cliff. Uh, and that was pretty much it. I think Led Zeppelin even purchased one of his old houses at one point. Uh, and it was just kind of like a spectacle and a new wave of magic with a K. With a K. Don't forget that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know you're dying to serve us with your fun factoid, but I want to propose one more segment to do each week. Mm, okay. If it's a good one. Let's do this. I thought that we could pick a word, a thing, a topic, I don't know, at random. And then you'll list your correspondences that you'd associate with that statement. And then I'll finish with mine. Okay. And then maybe in the future we can pick from like a listener submitted list or something. I don't know. Goals, babe. We don't have those yet. So (laughs) how about I roll a d20? You have a list somewhere? Animals, maybe? I like animals. Okay. Roll all? 20. 16. What is the 16th letter in the alphabet? Um, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. P. P as in porcupine. All right. Give me a second. Give me a second. A number between 1 and 8. I don't have a D8 with me, so I'll roll a D10 and subtract. If I roll a 9 or a 10, I'll re-roll. Okay. Six. Penguin. Penguin. So close to porcupine. I'm guessing the next one was porcupine, right? Porcupine's not on here. Bunch of losers. <laughs> uh, penguins. They are flightless. They swim fast. They like shiny pebbles. The male penguin will sit on the egg or protect the baby. Um, they go on long journeys, so maybe maybe that's got something to do with it, like March of the Penguins. Mm-hmm. Um, so sum it up in three keywords. They go on long walks. That's a sentence. Journeys. Okay. Um, flightless. And cold. Well, they're warm because they have lots of feathers, but they live in the cold. Arctic-y. All right, before I give my correspondences... What kind of magic would you associate with a penguin? When would you like be like, oh, I'm doing blah, blah, blah kind of spell. So I'm going to embody or I'm going to connect with a penguin. Cold weather spells. Winter magic. Okay. Um, There's no wrong answers. The way you're looking at me, it seems like a wrong answer. No, no, no. No wrong answers. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with cold magic. Okay. Maybe it's like freeze, the freezing your money thing. Put your money in the freezer. Oh. Yeah. So 
I would associate a penguin with like loyalty and love and caretaking and ingenuity. Really? Yes. Ingenuity. Ingenuity. Tell me about the ingenuity of penguins. I feel like they do things with rocks, right? They collect rocks to make their nest and they find a shiny rock to find a mate. There you go. But That's... they're not like otters that have like a favorite rock and bust open oysters with a rock. You know what, bro? I think they're ingenuitive. That's not... Ingenious? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and if I had to answer my own question, I feel like a spell where I had to grow something or and really care for and nurture it, I would try to incorporate the penguin. Like the daddy penguin holding, making the egg form. Wasn't there a Disney movie about the penguin? There's a lot of Disney movies about penguins. No, it was they the like one. penguins. Something in the pebble or Pete and the pebble or the pebble and something. It's a penguin. There's March of the Penguin. No, that's not the one I'm thinking of. And then where's the one where the little penguin, he dances? Happy Feet? Yeah, that's a penguin one. Is that Pixar? I don't think that's Disney. But there was one that was Disney, definitely. March of the Penguin. Something in the Pebble. Uh, I'm never going to f- remember it. But well, I, now I need to Google. I was terrified as a kid when he was like fighting that angry penguin on the <gasps> the ice shelf. It was a scary Or it was movie? like floating in the Arctic with the waves coming up. And I feel like there were orcas around. I don't know if I'm just scared of orcas right now. But <laughs> did you know? The Pebble and Pebble and the penguin. Pebble and the penguin. Yeah. Did you know, though, that orcas are one of the only predators of, I think it's a moose. And the only reason is because. They're slow in the water. A moose lives in a place that like, like in Canada, where it might want to swim across like a river or a lake to get to another little island. And the orca just happens to be there and catches it on the way through. Damn. Yeah, Pebble it's ridiculous. The penguin came out in 1995. Yeah, that was like, what, a decade and a half ago? Almost two decades ago? No, okay, more than that. Almost three, two and a half. Stop, you're making me feel old. 27 years ago? What? Lies. That's crazy. It was, it was a scary movie. I don't recommend it for any children. What is it rated? Probably G. Kids back then were hardened. I don't see a rating. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> G. Yeah, okay. Okay, Andrew, hit us with your factoid. Okay. So, what do you think the difference is between a knife and a sword? Length. Length. But then, where do you draw the line at that length? Like, between a long knife or a short sword? Like, it's kind of a gray area that you get into. I'm only saying this because... Swords are big. Some swords are big, but some swords are small. Like a short sword. Like Mm. 1d6 damage in D&D. Anyway. The D&D. Back in the day, like 14th century Germany. Okay. There were guilds, which are kind of like modern day unions. But there was a knife maker's guild and a sword maker's guild. And they had to find... to a way to differentiate like what's a knife and what's a sword. So it's believed that that differentiating factor was the type of hilt that the blade was on the hilt, like the handle and then the cross guard or whatever it is. Okay. And at that point, 
since the only thing differentiating it is the hilt, the knife makers wanted to break in the sword making game. So they started making long blades and then just putting them on knife hilts and calling them, they were messers, right? Which is knife in German. And they were lang messers or long knives. Well, anyway, the sword makers identified this loophole with nothing they could do. So they just started making their better quality blades, selling them to the knife makers who would then put their own hilt on it and then sell it. So they're kind of making money on both sides of it. Look at that. Everyone's a winner. That's what I'm saying. There's a bunch of different stuff. If you want to look into it, you can look up Professor Elmsley of the Elmsley typology. And he goes into the whole thing, talking about all sorts of single bladed swords and falchions and all the cool stuff. Anyway. I'm sure you're going to continue to tell me after. Uh, if you really want to, there's like a couple hour synopsis of this on YouTube. I just gave you the, the 30 second rundown. Oh my but God. <laughs> if you're into it, hit me up. I'll send you the link. It's pretty interesting. I say that that is a good first factoid of the season. Don't worry. They're only going down from here. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> more D&D or less D&D? That wasn't even D&D. Mm. But we'll get some more D&D, that's for sure. Oh, boy. All right. And that's a wrap. Good job. High five. Good job. All right. As always, thank you for listening this first time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Andrew. This is Zoe. And we will see you back here every other Friday. All right. Later, Gator. Bye.